We've got a lot to cover. I want to finish up what I started last week with the Pharisees and Sadducees. And, and then we're going to finish up 1 John chapter 5. And Brother Mark can take over next week. And we'll start on chapter 6. I know sometimes it can get a little boring maybe uh, when we spend this much time on a chapter or a book but uh, that's part of an expository study and one thing's for certain when we do finish John I think uh, you're going to have a clear understanding of of the book and, and everything that goes with it and one reason that's good is because it relates to the other three Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So not only does it give you a clear understanding of the book of John, but it will help in your study of the other three Gospels. So just bear with us as we go through John and um, as we get in-depth. So we studied... uh, looked last week at uh, not only the Pharisees, but the, the Torah, uh, the written Torah, as well as the oral Torah and what that consisted of, um, as well as the uh, temple periods, the first temple period being the first temple that King Solomon built, and then the second temple that the Jews built, Uh, when they were allowed to return from Babylonian exile uh, up until its destruction in 70 A.D. by the Romans. The Pharisees were uh, just a faction, a group of Jews uh, that believed certain things um, such as the written as well as the oral Torah Uh, They were uh, kind of the blue-collar Jew somewhat, uh, the everyday Jew. And the Sadducees, which we're going to get into now, they were kind of the, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, the aristocrats, the the well-educated, the wealthy of the Jews. Um, They were in... um, quote-unquote, in cahoots with the Romans. They had a very good relationship with the Romans, uh, in part because the Romans just kind of let them have free reign there in Jerusalem, and that's how they uh, didn't say much about um, the way they collected taxes and and, uh, made their money. Um... They wielded societal power or power over the Jewish society in nearly every aspect uh, except for the military. And in some respects, they did have control over the military. But for the the military, the Romans had that main uh, power. Um, They were known as much for their wealth and corruption as for their religious devotion. Uh, In in the time of Jesus, uh, and here in the, as well as the time of uh, the book of John that we're studying, 
They controlled the two most important institutions of Jewish society, which was the temple and the Sanhedrin, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, but here's what we know about the uh, Sadducees. They believed in the written Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, also known as the Pentateuch. Um, and according to them, it was the only authority on matters of faith and, uh, faith and life. And Sadducees uh, wholeheartedly rejected the Pharisees' teaching that the oral tradition or oral Torah, that those things passed down through speech like, uh, or tradition, you know, such as uh, teachings of the prophets, um, that type thing, or writings of high priests, um, they reflected or, or they rejected that uh, as far as author, uh, authority or being part of the law. Uh, they believed in unrestrained free will, meaning God had no role in the personal lives of humans and that everyone was master of his or her own destiny. Sadducees rejected everything related to the supernatural, refuting beliefs in angels, demons, heaven, and hell, as well as resurrection of the dead. Not just the resurrection, but any type of resurrection from the dead. Uh, their way of thinking that uh, souls die with the body, and that's it. Or once you die, that's the end. Um, they uh, wealth, I guess, and money seems to be in seems to have been the number one belief um, of the Sadducees. And modern archaeologists have actually uh, um, discovered and uh, you know dug up uh, homes of certain. Um, Sadducees and describe them as the most um, what's the word I'm looking for um, lavish I guess the most lavish homes uh, that they have found to date in Jerusalem so that kind of reflects uh, a little bit on their lifestyle and their um, love of money if you will so how does the Bible describe the uh, Sadducees? Um, which they were high priests, and they were mentioned in all four of the Gospels and, and uh, also in Acts. Uh, and none of these references to the Sadducees are actually flattering. Uh, John the Baptist called them a brood of vipers in Matthew 3, 7. Jesus called them wicked and adulterous generation in Matthew 16. Uh, Jesus uh, sternly warned the disciples against the deceptive teaching of the Sadducees in Matthew 16. And when the Sadducees test Jesus with a theological question, they're easily silenced by Christ, who lectures them like small children, calling them badly mistaken. Uh, and this can be found in, in Matthew 22, Mark 12, as well as Luke 20. Um, 
there was a detachment of soldiers and officials sent by the chief priests, which was the Sadducees as well as the Sanhedrin, to arrest Jesus and instigate the cry to crucify. Uh, in John 18, 3 and 19, 6. And in the book of Acts, uh, Sadducees frequently arrest uh, Peter, John, Paul, and the other apostles, which is... Uh, in Acts chapter 4, 5, and chapters, uh, also chapter 23. Uh, so it's obvious that the writers of the gospel um, or the New Testament had little respect for any one Sadducee. Uh, so why did the Sadducees hate Jesus so much? Uh, one was Jesus threatened their uh, belief system, which was erroneous or completely in error wrong. Uh, if Christ's teaching was right, then most of what they lived and taught was wrong. So it threatened their very lifestyle. Uh, and number two, G uh, Jesus threatened their cozy relationship with Rome and the political and societal benefits that uh, that provided. Um, and probably the most um, well-known confrontation of Jesus and the Sadducees was the cleansing of the temple, um, which we went through in John chapter 2. Um, you know, they were making money off the uh, uh, livestock, what they called unsuitable livestock that they brought in uh, to offer for sacrifice called it unsuitable, um, and it, it was just a, a scheme, and, and some um, commentators just flat out say it's rob it was robbery, thievery. They were thieves, so, uh, you know, that's one reason they hated it so much. And uh, so the Sanhedrin, um, often called the Sanhedrin, Sanhedrin Court, the Sanhedrin Council, the Great Sanhedrin, or simply just the Sanhedrin. Um, it was a Supreme Council of the Jews who met with Jerusalem's, uh, within Jerusalem's temple in a place known as the Chamber of Hewn Stones. Um, <clears throat> it was kind of like the U.S. Supreme Court in that they were the final authority on decisions that affected the uh, religious and political life of all the Jews. The uh, council convened each day of the week except the Sabbath and the annual biblical holy days. Uh, the Sanhedrin was composed of 71 members, the high priest, a vice chief justice, and then 69 general uh, members only high, only chief priests, elders, and scribes were eligible to sit on the council. Uh, they were required to possess, or the members of the Sanhedrin were required to possess scholarship, modesty, strength, courage, as well as popularity among the fellow Jews. Uh, their rulings were binding on all Jews scattered throughout the world. Uh, the jurisdiction of the Sanhedrin, however, was greatly curtailed by Herod the Great. 
uh, and the Roman Empire. The council was viewed as the last institution that commanded universal Jewish authority among uh, Jewish people. They had the power to to decide uh, life and death, and in New Testament times, it retained the power of passing sentence. However, the Roman Empire retained the right to accept or reject their verdicts and to ultimately decide to carry out penalties, which we'll get into that. If you've studied any of the Gospels in the life of Christ, uh, you'll understand this. Uh, as far as you know, the role of Pilate and, and the Roman governors and that type thing in a lot of the uh, trials uh, and imprisonments of not just Christ but all the other disciples and apostles. Um, it is mentioned, the Sanhedrin is mentioned 22 times in the New Testament. Um, and variously referred to as the chief priests, the el- elders, uh, or the council, uh, elders of the people, um, and just the council. Uh, the group was the driving force that ensured Jesus was betrayed, falsely arrested, falsely accused, unjustly judged, and condemned to death on the cross. Uh, its members uh, are the ones who bribed Judas Iscariot with 30 pieces of silver. Um, and it is they who, uh, which was contrary to Jewish law, this is funny, they were, they were the ones who carried out law and enforced the law, but in this circumstance they threw the law out and didn't, didn't worry about it. They had Jesus arrested without a formal accusation of wrongdoing. So they, they didn't worry about the law then, uh, but they had him uh, formally accused. Um, during his first trial, the charge of blasphemy against God, which we just got through uh, studying about here uh, in the first part of chapter uh, 5, uh, It was used by the council to justify giving him a death sentence. Um, When Jesus was brought to the Romans for this punishment, punishment, they changed the charge against him to just treason. Uh, It was the members of the council when uh, Pilate asked a crowd whether Jesus or Barabbas should be set free. Uh, It was the Sanhedrin who uh, had the crowd to select um, Barabbas. Uh, members of the council not only went to see Jesus suffer on the cross, but they also taunted and ridiculed him. Members of the Sanhedrin, after they were told of the resurrection of Christ, paid a large bribe to Roman soldiers to have them lie and state that Jesus' disciples came and secretly stole the body in the middle of the night. So you can kind of see here the conflict between Christ and the apostles as well as uh, the Sanhedrin. So whenever, uh, since, you know, I wanted to give a, you know, kind of a quick background on the Pharisees and Sadducees and the Sanhedrin because I felt it was extremely important in our study of John as well as in your study of uh, the Gospels.
uh, in Acts where it's mentioned a lot so that you have, you know, kind of an understanding of uh, their role, what they stood for, what they did, and their role uh, in the death uh, of Christ. So, now, back to John chapter 5, and we're going to go through this uh, rather quickly to kind of finish up, but um, I think we got to 22 uh, two weeks ago when uh, we were studying. So, for, uh, John 5, verses 22 through 30, um, it's kind of uh, Jesus is trying to explain his uh, equality with God in regards to authority. Uh, let's read through this real quick. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come unto judgment but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who, will, those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own, but the will of the Father who sent me. So... Uh, he's trying to explain here that God has given them, given him the power to judge all people at the time of judgment. Uh, God will not be our final judge. Christ will. Uh, Christ was granted this um, authority from God, uh, you know, because he uh, is equal with him and and God knew he could carry it out or this responsibility uh, without trouble. So we look in, um, if you see in verse 28 where it says, Do not marvel at this. Marvel is what? To be surprised. Uh, kind of to be in shock, taken back. Uh, he's telling them, don't be surprised with, about this that I'm, I'm going to judge you because I am uh, equal with my Father and He has granted me this responsibility. Um, all who in, are in the graves will come forth to be judged. All, that's the key word here, all will be judged, both the righteous and the unrighteous. So what we have here is um, proving that the theory or teaching, uh, whatever you want to call it, of premillennialism is wrong. Um, you know, that premillennialism as well as the, the um, rapture, if you will, uh, is, is uh, 
shown right here to be false, a false teaching. So um, the rapture teaches that, you know, those who are saved or have lived the righteous lives and followed Jesus, they will just miraculous be, miraculously be taken from this earth uh, into heaven. Uh, and then there will be a, uh, a thousand-year reign uh, or kind of like um, earthly. It's been a while since I studied it. That would be a good, good study right there. But a thousand-year reign will be set up. And Mark or someone, you can help me out with this. Houston, uh, thousand-year reign uh, in Jerusalem. That's one reason a lot of our secular brothers and sisters uh, have such an affection or uh, care about the country of Israel so much uh, it's because they feel like that's where the kingdom will be returned to there at Jerusalem uh, in Israel so uh, and that's bled over a lot into politics as you know uh, a lot of um, voters or um, Congressmen, those who are in politics, you know, that, that's somewhat, a, not so much as it used to be, but uh, some put an emphasis on it, um, how the United States standing with Israel. Uh, they, they, have, they strongly believe that the U.S. should have uh, close ties and allies with Israel, which comes and goes based on uh, who's in office. Um, I think President Trump has taken a strong stance to stand by uh, Israel. Um, actually, I believe he has made the proposal or offered to make them an independent state. So there's a lot going on there. But that's where all this comes from. I'm, I'm getting off topic, but... Um, the main, the main thing I wanted to get uh, to get through to you is that premillennialism, the teaching of premillennialism and the rapture is wrong, and it's proved uh, right here uh, in verse um, twenty nine in verse twenty nine or twenty eight and twenty nine, where he says uh, the hour hour is coming in which all who are in the graves. Like I said, the word all, both righteous and unrighteous, um, will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good and those who have done evil. It is necessary um, you know, to show that he acted in harmony with God's will as well as not independent of, of God or any of his um, plans for uh, the judgment. Let's move on to John uh, uh, verses 31 through 35. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. 
he was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time, you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. So what he's referring to here in this section is the witness of John the Baptist, uh, his teachings, um, and his, you know, I think we all know he was the precursor to what Christ would be teaching and bringing forth. Uh, in this section, though, Jesus speaks of John, John the Baptist, in the past tense. So it is most likely, according to uh, this um, commentator, that John is, is probably in prison at this time and looking at facing, uh, facing death for, for what he did, for what he taught. Um, John's preaching attracted uh, great multitudes of followers and disciples but when he introduced them to Christ what happened? They forsook him. They forsook John the Baptist and not only did they forsake uh, fors uh, what's the where's my English teachers? Not only did he forsook or forsake forsake uh, John the Baptist uh, uh, they rejected Christ they refused to accept Jesus as the true Messiah a lot of them thought that John was the Messiah didn't they when he first come forward or come started teaching in the wilderness uh, and that rumor if you will that's one reason people went to the wilderness where John was uh, to hear his teachings. They initially thought he was the Messiah. Uh, but the, the Pharisees here um, and the Jews, uh, they had sought the testimony of John the Baptist. The, you know, the Pharisees as well as the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, they all wanted to know what John the Baptist thought uh, about Jesus and get his testimony in regards to who this man was. So um, at one point they, they all thought of John in high regards and once he uh, revealed or Christ came along and he revealed to them Christ, they, they threw John as well as Jesus to the wayside and uh, just kind of Forgot about them, I guess. Any questions or comments so far on anything? Uh, Paul, when we read these verses, uh, Jesus is Absolutely, and that's what this chapter is. He's trying to establish himself and give proof of who he is through different avenues, and that's, that's what he's doing here. Um, and and continue, continuing on with verse 36, like Brother Sam said, his miracles, that's what verse 36 is referencing, 
uh, his miracles are a witness. Uh, his works and deeds, they established his claims to who he, he was. Verses, uh, well, let's read 36 real quick. But I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given to me to finish. The good Lord, uh, God, has granted him the power of uh, miracles. Uh, the very works that I do bear witness of me. So he's saying, look, just look at what I do. Look at what I just did. Does this not bear witness? Does this not show you who I am? Um, does this not show that the Father has sent me? Verse 37, speaking of Father, he, he's trying to prove that uh, God himself, the Father, is a witness. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent, because whom he sent him you do not believe. So um, in verse 37 and 38, he's saying you have not seen or heard God and you believe him. The, the Jews took great pride in their belief in God and following his commandments, following his law that was uh, given to Moses for them, and, but yet they don't believe that Jesus is his son who came and was given all these powers and abilities. They, they don't believe that. So they reject. So he's saying... If you reject me, if you deny me, you're denying God. <clears throat> and then in 39 and 47, continuing along the lines of Brother Sam's comment, uh, we, we're, you know, he's showing his uh, witness by his works, his miracles, witnesses of God the Father, and now witnesses of the scriptures or the law and, and Moses. So... Uh, 39 through 47, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe in his writings, how will you believe my words? So they had great knowledge and respect for the scriptures, for the old law that Moses provided for them. Um, and the scriptures even testified of Jesus. Isaiah chapter 53, Daniel 9, 26, 27, Deuteronomy 18, 18, as well as Genesis 3, 15, and many more. Um, but their familiarity uh, or the familiar, familiarity, their um, knowledge of the word does not 
of itself assume genuine belief in it. And that kind of hit me hard when I uh, read this from uh, Brother Nichols in his commentary. And think about it. Knowledge of the scripture or the word does not of itself assume genuine belief in it. There's a lot of people in this world today that have exceptional knowledge of the scripture, do they not? I mean, that's their whole career, uh, you know, they have so-called PhDs in, in, in Bible history or, or just the Bible itself. But just the knowledge, just having the knowledge of the Word does not in and of itself assure belief in it. Um, one Jewish writer claims that at least uh, 64 imposters or pretenders claim to be the uh, the actual Messiah were accepted by the Jews. At least 64 during that time period, during that time frame, came and went and were accepted. And here Jesus is performing miracles and proving who he is and they don't accept him. How can that be? Um, there was one pretender or imposter by the name of uh, Bar Kachiba. And obviously he's not in the Bible. This is through Jewish history, Jewish writings. But he actually deceived the chief officer of the Sanhedrin. Deceived him into thinking that he was the true Messiah. And this is in, like I said, this is not found in the Bible. This is through Jewish uh, historical writings. Um, and the fact that they can give his actual name, uh, I felt that that was fairly accurate, uh, you know, claim here. Uh, so uh, just think about that. All these imposters that came and pretended to be the Messiah who were not able to prove or show through miracles that they were imposters and you know they believed them but not Jesus Moses wrote of Jesus who they held in high regard if you know in, in anything about Jewish history um, so so he's basically saying here in this uh, section that you know the scriptures there's been Scripture written about me, the, the old law that Moses wrote, the Torah, you know, I'm written in there, you know, um, and Moses wrote it, and you hold not just the Scriptures in high regard, but you hold Moses in high regard, um, but yet you don't believe me. So if you don't believe, you know, uh, me, then how can you believe in his writings? So, uh, to sum this, uh, this whole chapter up, it started with the healing of the lame man, the paralyzed man there at the, the pool of Bethesda. Uh, and, the, and we had a confrontation with the Jews who accused him of uh, violating the law of the Sabbath because he healed the man, the, the lame man, and uh, not only that, but they accused the lame man of working when Christ commanded him to take up his uh, bed and, and, 
and walk or, or go. And um, so it began with this confrontation and ended with Jesus convicting them of actually rejecting the law and the lawgiver who they based their, their actual hope and belief on. So Christ tried to take uh, what they were accusing him of and turning their very beliefs, uh, their scriptures, against them and proving they were wrong. So, uh, but that uh, hopefully wraps up chapter 5 and uh, continue next week with chapter 6.